This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast, where we talk about everything that is the martial art of Aikido. I'm Christopher Hine, head instructor at Aikido Fresno, and with me is Joshua Tihi, assistant instructor at Aikido Fresno. And Maya Solano McDaniel, first Q and student at Aikido Fresno. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and we're what? There was a cat. We just had we this moment. Cat. So we do a 20 seconds of silence to like give Chris some, you know, things to edit comparatively. I don't know. That doesn't matter. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I like how I was like, I don't know what I, you're doing, but whatever it is, that's what we do. There's some, yeah. Right. So we could do 20 seconds of silence. And so the, the cat's licking her ass. And I, I, I directed <laughs> I directed Josh's attention to the cat licking her ass. Because, of course, my like, Josh needs Josh, to see this Josh cat lick her ass. Josh that, yeah. Um, and he did love that. <laughs> I did. I, I waved. Know. I waved you, at the cat. He, so then he waved at her and she goes, meh. <laughs> I was, of course, wanting to crack up, and we're supposed to be quiet. So I just felt like you know that time, like those moments in class where you're like supposed to be working quietly, and you're like (laughs) trying not to die. Yeah, yeah. Or where you have to sneeze, and you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're eating a carrot during a test, and you don't want anyone to hear it. Eating a carrot. No, no one, just me. (laughs) So, (laughs) so we have gotten uh, a couple of um, listener. Emails, messages, emails. Recent, I don't know whatever yeah. messages. People, well, we got a flood of people wanting wanting me to know what Eagle Fang was. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, there's a ton of those. <laughs> so, so I mean, it's from the Karate Kid. Oh, okay. And, uh, no, the, Cobra the, Kai. sorry, Cobra Kai. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. uh, the Karate and, uh, Kid Extended Universe. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's the yeah. name of uh, someone's offshoot. Oh, there. Okay. Oh, it's the you know, it's guy. funny. I I, th- I think I vaguely re- I watched Cobra Kai, but I mean, I just watched it There's like a bunch of very now. loosely. Well, I think it's, it's I don't know. I thought I saw someone said it was from season three, and oh yeah, did we not watch season three? No, then? Yeah, yeah. Well, then I don't know what it is. Yeah. Okay. So that's that. Yep. Cool. Eagle fan. Eagle fan. I think it's the yeah. hottest thing ever. I mean, I that's mean, it's pretty. It's... Anyway, so for uh, today's episode, uh, we have a message and uh, that we thought was good and worth talking about, so that's what we're going to All right. Um, this comes to us from Grant Templin, one of our um, our dedicated uh, listeners. And Grant Templin's one of the old patron. schoolers. I know. He's, patron, yeah. 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 OG. He's an OG, yeah. Um, he says, hi, thank you for your podcast and engagement with the Aikido community. Oh, thank you. Uh, the last podcast triggered a question for me that might be a good podcast topic for you. How do you, in your dojo, prepare your students to become future Aikido teachers? How do you think this compares to other dojos in the Aikido community in general? And then he says, I'm happy for you to consider these questions specifically or whatever related topics they bring up for you. Thanks for your consideration. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think it's a very, yeah, really good, very topic, good question. Yeah. Well, and I think it's apropos given last the last uh episode mm-hmm. and some of the stuff that we hit on in terms of you know um how the the how currently aikido is structured and and the new like the new wave of people coming up and whether or not that even exists you know yeah, so yeah it's big stuff um, and that might be that might be this might be an answer to some of the stuff that we brought up last week which is like <clears throat> Um, you know, how do you train your students to be instructors? Maybe, maybe they're not, maybe we're not. Right. You know, right. so, um, I think Chris probably, you know, it's best to lead this thing as he has a school and has trained, um, multiple, multiple, I guess want me. <laughs> no, well, I mean, there are no, no, there's, there's other students. Yeah, there's yeah. several people who have, Come on, Josh. Well, I'm just saying. 
Um, yeah, so I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Get in there. That was, that was a beautiful hand up. Yeah, I don't know. So we're, we're yeah, tell, tell him some stuff. Tell, tell him some stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, to me, teaching the martial art is the pivotal thing. Um, I don't know. How, I was trying to explain this earlier in the park, and and it's it's really clear in my head. But as I was verbalizing, I was like, eh, maybe this isn't clear to tell people. But you know, so if you're studying baseball. You could be studying it for yourself, like just I like to play baseball. It is fun to play. Um, but but the thing that baseball works towards is playing the game of baseball, right? Like that's its thing. You know, if you uh, learn ballet, then doing shows is the thing, you know, to, to have a recital or whatever and, and show your thing off. Or if you practice music, you know, recording it or performing it live or whatever, that is the thing. And so everything has a thing. And, and of course, you could always just do it for yourself and not, not participate in that. But, but there is always some final set that you're getting out of it. And to me, martial arts, the final thing is about teaching it. Like, I, I think that is the final thing. And to perpetuate that system further down. So I structure my lessons as if I am teaching teachers to teach Aikido. That is my goal from the beginning. Um, and that's always been my goal for myself in training, too. And so the way I've structured my Aikido learning was how do I explain this to anyone? And that's also the way I teach my students. And usually my students very, very early on understand what my approach to Aikido is and why I'm teaching it that way and what it's for. And so if anyone asks, they could quickly say, this is what it is. This is the beginning of it. This is the end of it. And then that just goes on to a stage where eventually they could teach someone ideally to go up from the beginning all the way through. And that makes a lot of sense too with your tests because that is every test there is at least some part where you're asking them to describe yes. some part of or the whole of Aikido. And, and the, the higher the tests go, the more um, complete the person's understanding should be and they should be able to demonstrate that. Yes. And I never thought about it that like that. It's, like I always thought you were ch checking for their understanding, but it's not just that. It's about yeah. I mean, it, it, it is. But you know, the way you understand something best is to be able to give it to someone else. Like right. there's holes in your understanding if you can't give it to someone else. And yeah. so, like, that's always the goal. And, and also, that's the way my Udancha's broken down, you know? So, like, you know, Udancha black belt ranks. Like, you know, I hated the, the, the traditional set of ranks because they're nonsensical, you know? Like, so, you know, at NiQ, so you got Shodan, and then, or sorry, Nidon. Uh, at Shodan, you know, you, you know the whole syllabus of Aikido. And then at Nidon, well, you, you kind of learn some um kaishiwaza some reversal techniques and and you know some schools some weapons things and then sandan that's kind of the same and then after that at least in the aikikai um it, it's kind of like a demonstration and then it's kind of understood that you're probably not going to get your sixth dawn if you don't have a, a, a major school or two and then you know like it's political and weird and like it's like everyone's got this idea that it's like oh that guy's a 10th dawn so he must be a badass or that guy's an eighth dawn and he's better than a seventh right. dawn he knows more like his, right his uh, power's greater or, or his, something yeah yeah, yeah. his and, knowledge is like whatever and that's all bullshit at least for aikido and so like i don't like that and so so you know we only have three ranks um above black belt and it, it's just uh shodan chudan uh jodan and that just means um first black belt, middle black belt, and uh, high black belt. And the idea of that is very simple. You're a shodan when you can demonstrate the complete syllabus. You're a chudan when you have taken on the role of assistant teaching. And the test for a chudan test, or the test to get the rank of chudan, is to give a seminar 
and successfully teach a seminar where people understand Aikido at the end. And then Jodan, and Jodan means you have taken someone from a beginner all the way through to a Shodan. And so my, my Yudancha ranks are also based on teaching Aikido. Yeah. And, and I think what's interesting, at least for, uh, for me, is um, looking at the, the students and it seems to me like the understanding. So there's two parallel things that are happening uh, as you're learning, right? There's your intellectual knowledge and then there's your, you know, whatever physical body knowledge, like whatever that doing the thing versus like understanding why you would want to do the thing. Um, and I think for uh, us or for our students, I feel like the, especially at the beginning, the intellectual knowledge is, is quick and they're, you know, and so I feel like students can understand what we're doing and kind of like uh, work through it and tell other people like at a much earlier state than uh, probably other places, even if they can't necessarily do the things um, as well or in a, in a, right, right. In a you know, nice. They intellectually like, understand better than they physically do it. That's right. And, and, and. Eventually it catches up and it sort of flips, I think, or, you know, evens out. But um, especially at the beginning, the, the intellectual knowledge, and, and that makes sense because you you have to be able, I mean, it's a, you could do it either way, I think, when you're learning, right? Like you can just do something a bunch of times until you figure it out and then hopefully um, extrapolate why afterwards. Um, but it's really nice to have that all built into the front hand. Right. And then be able to and then be able to plug it into the the back part of it, you know. Right, right. right. I remember Maya when she saw the the newest iteration, which is several years old now, of of my syllabus, her being like, Man, you're loading everything onto the end, like, you know, thinking that like the everything is all the techniques because that's the way it's generally taught in Aikido schools. And she's like, You're kind of loading everything from third Q on and she's like, That seems like it's gonna be hard, but it's a slow build for them to understand why they're doing things so by the time they get to third cue getting the techniques is actually easy right because right. they know all the parts that make up the techniques and seeing the students that are currently going through the ranks right now it it totally it's makes sense better. like it their their knowledge is actually greater in some ways than their testing level in terms of like they're they're ready even though they're not even at those levels yet to start knowing about all those right. techniques right. you know which is very cool so how do we actually, like, can we get more into specifics on how you train teachers? Like, how are you creating people that can teach others? So, you know, to me, um, so I have the I have the syllabus basically broken up like this. You're a white belt through to seventh Q, and then you're a green belt. Um, and, and I added these belt colors. Um, so when I was learning... You were a white belt until you were a black belt, and then you were a Hakama and a black belt, and then that was, you know, the, your your uniform changes. And I remember being really, really curmudgeonly for a long time and being kind of like, and that's the way it should be because we don't need colored belts, and that's stupid, and, you know, be an adult, and if you're a black belt, you're a black belt, and if you're not, you're not. And and while I think there is some some validity to that, I think it's really nice for students to be able to see their their 
grade increasing visually to be able to visually see it and then also for other students to be able to recognize that guy's a green belt here's what i should expect from them that person's a brown belt here's what i should expect from them that person wears a hakama here's what i should expect from them so that being said you know up to seventh q you're a white belt and then you're a green belt and that goes up to fourth q fourth q you're a brown belt um third q you wear a hakama and a white colored top and at black belt you wear a dark colored top um and a hakama and so, and, and then there's no distinctions for the Udancha as far as uniform goes. And, and here's the, the thought line on that. By the time you hit a green belt, you should be able to under, explain to anyone who asks you what Aikido is. And that's my goal. And so I give everyone the fundamental tools to understand how we're going to do Aikido when someone's trying to attack us. And so by that, they know what the distance is. They know how um, the basic ideas of Kumiuchi, even though they don't really know Kumiuchi yet. So like, you know, they know that you're going to suppress, you know, that you're going to get offline with Taino Hinko. You know that you're going to keep your body unified in these ways. Um, you know how to recognize the proper distances. You know, this is the, the thought process. And so you understand how to use your body to do the move, movement types that we will be using to, to create the distance and the things that we're doing. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. And so that's what you should expect of anyone you see with a green belt on. And when you see it, it's like, oh, they should be able to explain what Aikido is. And so at least intellectually, they should understand, oh, well, you know, it's you need distance there. Or, oh, the blend's got to be better. Or, the you know, they know these kinds of things. So they can also basically like do basic troubleshooting for those those little issues like, oh, this is why this is kind of not working right. or this is where Aikido would fit in this problem or that kind of stuff. That's right. And and that's purely all about you just understanding what the system is, you know, and right. and, and by getting that green belt, you're kind of becoming, a, a you know, a, a mid a mid-level person in the dojo where it you should reliably be able to be called upon to explain what the basic ideas of what we're doing are. And if you put someone who's a white belt with that person, that green belt should be able That's to exactly. at least hold their own with stuff that you're doing. Yes, you know, yes. Even if, it's a, if, even if the green belt doesn't know what the thing we're doing is, they can kind of... They know why it's not working. Yes. Even if they don't know how to fix it, yes. they know why it's not yeah. working. If it's something they've never even seen, they can still kind of... You know, they know how to ask for help. They know how to do what they need to do. They knew, you know, they know how to c comport themselves. That's right. In that's that right. way. And also, green belt is uh, you're you're able to fall and take care of yourself, yeah. and you know what all the attacks are, and and all the basic stuff that you need to begin practicing Aikido. You know all that stuff. By so green basically, belt. we can really trust. A we green can belt. we can trust our green belts. Yeah. That's what you know. You see a green belt. Oh, they they can do this stuff. So you know, if you're a white belt, don't bow into a white belt. Find at least a green belt and bow into that person. Right. Um, then when you see a brown belt, you're seeing someone who's getting proficiency in kumiuchi. So you're seeing someone who now knows what the forms are and why the forms are the way they are and why an ikkyo is and why an ikkyo is and all these things, what the kumiuchi is, what the kyowaza is, what the nagewaza is, what all these parts are. Um, and so, and by that time they're able to, uh, when you see someone with a brown belt, they know how to deal with multiple attackers. They they understand what the ideas are for multiple attackers. They understand all the ideas for blending, all the ideas for timing, all the ideas for all the structure that you need and why you might get caught and end up having to do Kumiuchi. And so that's what you see in a, in a brown belt. Mm -hmm. When you see a Hakama on someone in our school with a white top, you know that that is a person who can do 
essentially all the Kumiuchi now. So they know all of the forms and you can rely on this guy knows all the Sankyos. They know all the Nikyos. They know all the, and even if they don't know a particular oddball form, they can piece it together because that's what my third Q test is, is asking bizarre questions and making them piece stuff together. And in lots of ways, I kind of think that's what a Shodan was when I got my Shodan, right? So like, Uh that's how I think of my third Qs is like, my Shodan was, which is like, you know, all of the stuff, you know, like when I was a Shodan. Give me five Ikios. Exactly right. Yep. Give me, you know. Exactly yeah. right. Give me Shomenuchi, some weird, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's exactly right. Put a throw together with this random attack. Yeah. That's right. And so if you look at the progression, you know, our green belts know what the system is. Our brown belts know much more variety in that. Our our sand cues, like our third cues, basically know everything um they they don't necessarily do it like a champ yet but they know what all of it is and so then again from the teaching perspective this is a person who you could put with a brand new person and whatever the class is they can they can help them get through it you know Uh um and then when you see uh and that's where you would begin to for instance if you did have a new person you you would begin to pair pair those people up Yes, absolutely. You know, a third cue, a second, third, first, second, third cue, you would say, They're great hey, can this. you Perfect. sit and go through the basic footwork exercises? That's right, or yeah. teach this person how to roll today. Right, or right. yeah. Yeah, what Josh is saying real succinctly, actually, is that you can count on them in as, as a junior teacher at that point, right? So, like, starting to be like, oh, yeah, you're basically a junior teacher, you know? Like, you can, yeah. I can put you with a new pe- person and say, hey, teach them this or get through this with them, you know? And, and that yeah. won't be a problem. And those people are also, like, the good study buddies. That's exactly group, right. You know, as like you can grab a first second third cue and you know like you know if you're a green belt and you are having a test coming up you can grab one of those three levels and you know that they're going to be able to provide some good ukemi for you to practice for your test right. and you know help you prepare and whatever that's right that's right and then the difference between that and, and a shodan is uh, a shodan of course knows the whole syllabus but they're polished at the whole syllabus so they start to look good at that point and that's what i'm looking for for my showdowns is you're starting to look polished at our first q test our first q test is the most physically rigorous test at the dojo and and the the reason is that's kind of the end of you just like being able to get it done and then the graduation to Shodan is now you do it nicely, you know? Right. And, and usually on a Shodan test, I put some teaching element. I pull someone out of the crowd and they have to teach someone out of the crowd or teach some weird thing or something that involves like them having to begin to teach. And then... Oh, no, I was just going to give an example. Yeah. On the sure. last uh, Shodan test that we had at Tweed's test, he you had me him show me something. And that really stood out to me as like, that's the one part of his test that I really remember is that teaching element. And that really, you know, when I look forward to doing my black belt test, that's something that I go like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really going to have to like know how to be able to teach anything. That can be hard. You know, and that's especially in front of a bunch of people, you know, being succinct and and showing someone something sounds quite intimidating. But that, you know, that really stood out to me. Right, right. Um, And then, you know, I look at the Shodan as the junior teaching license that it's like, all right, now you, you. You can teach it, you know, right. like I really trust you. Yeah, I totally yeah. trust you. Yeah. 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 Is it possible that we can, you know, delve even a little bit deeper than those things of like what kind of qualities do you or what things that like you guys worked on in yourself or, you know, 
pieces of your teaching uh, skill set that that you really feel like is worth noting for you know for our listeners or you know for you me. notice the one getting ready for a show on test is the one asking yeah, these all these yeah. interesting yeah. So, hey, I so mean could I you have guys a tell me a little answers, more yeah. about <laughs> what do you think about that? yeah I mean yeah give me give me all you got here yeah what do you, what do you want to know like you know like what like specific techniques or i just mean like you know how do you approach certain kinds of students or you know how do you solve problems with students where you you know you see they're making a mistake but you don't know what it is or you know what i mean like you know stuff like that like the the, the teaching nuts and bolts you know i feel like that's just you just you gotta do <laughs> you it you just do it yeah. i mean that's so i mean at a certain point um that's and this is what what happened uh with me is like at a certain point you just have to have your own class and you yeah, just have to be able right. to do it and so like for me i started with the like a basic class so i was just teaching the basics and and it's like you know and chris was very i i don't think he ever really said it but i had a very clear idea of the boundaries of the things that i would be teaching mm -hmm. um and you go through those and i would go through Boom, 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 each, all of it, it, you know, in a succinct way, like classic, 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 classic. And I think you just have to do that enough to familiarize yourself with the material, A, uh, and then familiarize yourself with the people who are doing it. And, you know, it's, it's all fine and good when you have your regulars coming in all the time and you know what they're doing, but you know, you're always going to get that one, one person who hasn't been there in six months or a uh, brand new person stopping in, um, or a black belt or, from another school stops uh, by. Right. Or... And so those are the situations that, that kind of are like test, test you as a, as a instructor, um, a little bit more. Um, but I think the other thing that I would say that we, we do, um, is, uh, is that we are open, I feel like anyway, to uh, conversations within training partners, uh -huh. I feel like. Uh, and I don't really see, you know, because I am fairly open and vocal in when we're training in terms of relaying stuff, even if I'm not teaching the class necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like there we have a lot of that between training partners where they're where they are talking uh, through things and working through problems in a way uh -huh. where they're not necessarily just automatically raising the hand and saying sensei 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 can yeah. you explain to us and that happens too but i think a lot of times it's like before that happens um the students trust each other enough to to go back and forth and go like hey something weird's happening here what what do you think and then you, yeah the, and then once that comes to once they've had that conversation and they can't figure it out. Then they go, hey, sensei, we're having trouble here. We we can't figure this out. Like, whatever. And I'm not sure that happens in other schools or not. Um, but I, I, I feel like that is a good, that's a nice stepping stone yeah. to be able to. I think, I mean, so so my experience in training in other regular schools is most schools frown pretty heavily upon um, talking inside of um a pairing you know so classes really? going on yeah and so two people chatting is is kind of frowned upon and that depends the more casual group you have the less that's true you know like the the more it's like well okay i chat a little um i honestly depend upon that and and the model i've built um really allows me most of the times like i'm always watching class really intently and if if there are things that like 
no one's getting, then when I stop the class next, those are the things I'll address and I just address everyone. Um, but most of the time, especially with my senior students, I can pretty much rely on them to ferret out the problem that someone's having. You know, I figure it out quicker, but I don't need to jump in. I just watch. And then it's like, oh, yeah, OK, they're on it. And it's a good experience for both of them that way because yes. the senior student figures out what's going on and the junior student gets to watch the senior student troubleshoot through the problem. And so it's better for both of them that way. Um, and if they both can't, they can always ask me or or if I see that no one's understanding that they have a problem, then the next time I get the class up, I'll, I'll just address it. I think that that like self-reliance that you build from early on within the students is really good. Because for me, you know, when you first started teaching at the dojo, I was very like, um, sensei, excuse me, sensei, help. Um, very like, uh, even when I felt that I was me probably doing it right, mm -hmm. I still wanted verification validation. that I was, you know, validation. Is yeah. That I was doing right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I, I don't think you ever even said anything to me or anything. I just kind of got the vibe that it, like it, you were like, you got it. Like, stop asking right. me, you know, you're fine. Go, go, right. you know? And I had an interaction, I forget who I was with, but um, we were working on something and I was kind of like trying to, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Let me think about that. And we were having a conversation about some little problem and whoever I was with was like, well, why don't we just ask sensei? And I was like, I, you know, I try not to, start there you know and uh, um they're like oh yeah and they're like well you know I, I think it was Corey actually um and and he was like well you know just don't you know don't feel bad about that and i was like oh no i don't it's just that i've come from that place of asking too much so i'd rather try and figure it out first you know and i think that that's a really good like yeah. you're saying it provides a good environment of like try figure it out first yeah and i know? think you know with the junior students maybe sometimes that might feel like whoa you know and and i don't want anyone to ever feel like it's bad to ask me a question totally oh, no. yeah more than happy always to answer a question but i think the senior students start to get it more and more that i'm watching and if there's some problem i'll You'll fix the problem yes but mostly i think you can fix it and so fix it and i think that the other thing is like i feel like i trust i trust that you are watching and i, I guess it helps that our classes are fairly small that like if there really is a big problem, I know that you would step in. You know what I mean? And so then I, I feel like I don't need to ask you, you know, if there's a really huge mistake, right. you'll just step in. And, you know, and that allows me to go like, okay, well, I must be doing all right trying to figure right. this out. That's if he's exactly not stepping right. in. So I always feel uh, uh, sort of validated sometimes when, you know, uh, I'll be training with someone and I'll point out a certain thing and then uh, we'll come back. Yeah, and Chris will talk about that exact thing, and yep. we'll be like, "Well, feels, okay, I, I saw that that was happening," you know. Right. Um, and and a lot of times, and that happens often, which means that it's like we're on the same page, right? That's in right. In terms of what we're looking for, uh, in terms of what you're looking for, so. Um, I think that's good because then that means like eventually everyone's on the same page. Right. You know? That's something that I had a question about for a long time um, looking at becoming a teacher because I remember uh, one of my instructors having a, a real problem and having to have office visits with senior students who were teaching things no longer in a way that he wanted them taught, you know. So like Ikkyo is not right or neat, whatever, whatever, like some some detail and so he would call the senior students in and then correct the the detail you know like oh no you need to teach it this way and I used to always think like when I would see that happen I was like ah that's really sucky because I get that the teacher wants it taught a certain way I totally get that and it's their school so it should be taught that way and they're the most senior person so they know best 
honestly. How it needs to be taken. Right. Yeah. At the same time, the junior student really shouldn't totally have their creativity squashed. Like yeah. they should be able to explore things in their own way. And like, and I was like, oh, it's, it, it just seemed it's a really terrible thing. And so I have asked that question since I was Q ranked, you know, and the solution's really, really simple. You have open dialogue with all of your students, particularly your senior students, and you talk to them about why you do things the way you do them. Yeah. And there are some things that are taught in the school that's like, you know, um, uh, I do it this way. And Sensei does it this way. And so you'll see that's a difference. He does it this way because of this. And I do it this way because of this. They're both valid, but try them both and understand them both. And yeah. and that's a good way to be because it's like, it's not just a dogmatic, like we do Nikyo like this in the school. It's we do Nikyo like this because it's good for this and this. Right. Now, there are times the other teachers will show it another way, and here's why. And I spent a lot of time, especially like with Josh and early in my teaching, where I would show the way some other teacher does a technique. Mm -hmm. And I would never say that like, oh, and that's wrong. I would say, this teacher is pointing out this thing. And right. that's interesting because I find myself doing that too a lot where I will say, um, this is how I do this thing. Um, Chris showed it this way because we're talking about a specific right. Thing, thing right now. Yeah. Um, and and that's just you know, kind of how I throw throw it out. You know, and and yeah, I think so. that's fair for everybody because you're the students are getting more that way instead of less that way. Right, and it's they not understand. Either or. Right, exactly right. And that's the truth of everything. You know, like I I don't know how many times I've seen I get people badmouth some other teacher and like he does it this way and it's wrong. Well, what the fuck is wrong? Like, right. why is it wrong? Right. What does that do different than yours? And like, it's just wrong isn't a good answer. So if you can't break it down and tell me why that teacher is doing then it that way, fucking bother keep your mouth shut. And if, yeah. you, and if you ferret it out chances are you're going to realize that it's not wrong. That's it's, right. It's just, it's answering a different problem. That's it's answering right. a problem that you weren't looking at or that you weren't focused on. And that's totally fine. Um, and, and then the, the only uh, pitfall in that is if you don't understand, um, if you don't understand what that problem is and you think that your way is, like you're saying, is the correct right. one. Right. So, but I think being able to, offer those kind of things is is really good um i'm interested in just like f from a full philosophical standpoint how because you came from a much more uh traditional aikido school than uh the school you are currently running mm -hmm. i would say oh yeah uh can you talk about like the differences in and um in the approach to you know how you are sort of bringing up uh, instructors and how you were brought up yourself. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like um, there's a, a like a I'm gonna use the word dogma. That's not exactly the right word, but like there's like kind of a dogmatic way that a teacher when I was learning Aikido that the teacher would present Aikido and this is the right way and and the other ways are the wrong way. And so I felt like I was always kind of being groomed to exhibit that style. Like m my job was to imitate that thing, that dogmatic approach. And so, you know, uh, you know, we do Nikyo on the near shoulder, not on the far shoulder. And we never do it on the far shoulder. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And there was never any talk about that. And so my job as a student was sure to eventually become a good teacher, but to basically be a good representation of that thing. That 
style. Right. That, yeah. Right. And to and to know why, you know, like by why, I just mean to be able to regurgitate that we do Nikio, for example, on the near shoulder and not the far shoulder, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and and so that's, you know, very set in stone and very, you know, like I if I asked too many questions, there was like you asked too many questions, you know, and sometimes <laughs> that was the answer. Was yeah, like, yeah. 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 You just, know, and like. I mean, there would be sometimes where, like, you know, I would get a few answers, and it's like, Chris, you're just asking too many questions. Shut up and train. And while, as a teacher now, I totally can understand why someone would be overwhelmed and not want to answer questions. Right. I can answer questions and exhaust my students before they can answer ask questions right, right. and exhaust me. Right. Um, and I'll do that with new students until they get that it doesn't matter what the fuck they ask me. Right, I right. will tell them the answer if they want to know the answer. Because a lot of times I think it is that, and and I don't know if this was you, but knowing, knowing you, like you just want to put as much information into you, whether you're ready for that information or not. And so sometimes you do, as an instructor, have to go like, okay, just, just chill out. You're not even, you don't know what questions to ask. Right. Um, So relax. But that's different than just going like, you ask too many, you know. Right, right. Um, no, and, and you know, uh, like that that's something like where I'll explain, like, you know, you're asking this question, that question's a bad question. Let me tell you a better question to ask and why this would be a better question. You know what I mean? Like, I think what you're kind of getting at, and this is maybe the wrong word to use, but like a, a trust between student and teacher, because I think when, when people like, I don't know, it reminds me of Chris has this philosophy with the cat or hopes that if I feed the cat, <laughs> I don't know, back to the cat. Cats um, and students, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Well, if I, you know, like he's said this before that like, you know, if I fed the cat enough food constantly, then maybe it wouldn't be so hungry. Like it wouldn't Keep be so thinking greedy it needs to eat. Yeah. because right. exactly. it would know that there's always going to be food for it. And it, right. there wouldn't, it would be sati- satiated on some level and just eat when it's actually hungry and not gorge itself until it dies. And I kind of think it's the same thing with the questions is like, you're you feel like i'll give you all the answers you you want until you're satiated and you trust me and you put trust in me enough to ask those questions when you're ready and as they come naturally and you know and and by putting a stop to it by going no that's too many questions that hole inside and there's a lack of trust there and you haven't you haven't created that level of trust with that's that person right. and they, they they go ah oh, but maybe there aren't answers i don't know because he hasn't answered my questions ah or you know secrets that's what they really right. like <laughs> yeah that's the sure thing that's they think is they go like they're secrets you think i'm asking questions you won't answer those are secrets uh, there are answers you just don't want to tell me man <laughs> i want to tell this story right now it's really got nothing to do with this subject i think i've told it before on the podcast but this is one of my favorite things that's ever happened to me as a martial arts teacher i was teaching aikido in my garage, this guy called me and said, hey, Tim Cartmel recommended you as a guy in the area who teaches Xing Yi. And I told the guy, I don't teach Xing Yi um, because I don't know the system well enough. I don't feel like I'm a very good teacher of Xing Yi. And so I don't teach. I said, I teach Aikido. If you want to do Aikido, you can do it. But I don't teach Xing Yi. And he tells me, but I only want to learn the healing ways. And I said, I don't know what the fucking healing ways are of Xing Yi. My teacher taught me to pound people. And like, that, that's all I know. I don't know a healing way. So if there is, I don't know. And he's like, he's like, well, you sure you wouldn't just, just the healing ways. You don't even teach me the deadly techniques. And I was like, no, dude, I don't, I don't teach Xing Yi. I just don't know the system well enough, you know? And, uh, and so he, uh, he came to one of my classes in the park. This is, uh, oh no, this was in the park. Wasn't even the garage. Yeah. This is in the park. And he came to one of my classes in the park. 
And then uh, I taught Aikido. And then after, again, he asked me to teach him Xing Yi, but just the healing methods. And I said no. And then he walked out to his car. And, and the guy that I was teaching with at the time, we would just hang out in the park and train together afterwards. And he goes and he's just staring at us like like from behind the car, like he's hiding. And and I, I know that what was going through his head was that I was then doing the secret right. deadly technique. Teaching someone else the... Yeah. And, and he wanted to watch, you know. And it's, it's, it's a crazy thought. And I don't want my students to ever think... Think there's some kind of crazy shit, you know, some right. kind of secrets. And I mean, we joke about it all the time. It's like, oh, the day you weren't here is when I taught the secret we stuff. We did. We made that joke today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it but it's like that because I want them to know there is no secret stuff. Right, I mean, I'll right. teach you everything about this that I know. Like right. my job is to teach. Your job is to learn. So let's do that. Yeah. I think that's a really uh, important aspect. I feel like, uh, well, several aspects in. Uh, becoming a teacher so in in the sort of the grooming or whatever becoming a teacher one is that idea right is that like um there are no there are no secrets there are no there's no limit there's no you know it's it's like there's no cap to what you're gonna be you're gonna teach me before you go like all right we gotta stop now because Right. You know, you might be better than me or whatever, right. it is, you right. know, whatever. but yeah. like there's so there's no cap to it. Um, and then everything's like an exploration. Everything's like a, uh, at a certain point, it's like, well, we have this figured out, but but we're still going to be training together. Right. To yeah. get That's to exactly that right. next to that next spot, that next spot. And that like you have as much like you, Chris, can get as much from the interaction that we're doing yes. as me, Josh, is going to get or give to someone else, yes. you know? Yeah. And yes. you I become think, peers. Right. And that is, to me, very important when you become like, and look, I still feel like, you know, uh, my knowledge is, you know, here compared to, to, but because you've done it longer and also given so much more time to really thinking about it. But um, yeah, at a certain point, the interaction isn't that way. That's right. right. The interaction That's exactly right. is the same. It's like, yeah, I, I know more than you. I've done it longer, like whatever. But the interaction is the same, and then it just goes down like that for everyone. That's yeah. I was just thinking about that with Josh. Is like I I know Josh, you're explaining that's how you feel about Chris. Is that's how I feel about Josh? Is that like anytime we're doing something, it's never like a oh let me tell you. It's right. a very much like well here's what I've been looking at, and I don't know, you know, and this is you know try it this way, you know, right. and it very much feels that way. And that's the the thing that I'm trying to do now with people yes. that are below yeah, me, which is itself. like. Like, you know, here's what I'm working on, working on, you know, oh, I, I'm making this mistake too. Let's work on it together. You know, like it very much a, like we're, we're studying this thing together. It's not, I'm telling you, I'm instructing you, you're doing it wrong right. or something. And this is another thing that's kind of bothered me since I taught. And I mean, this is a difference between the way I learned Aikido and the way I try to teach Aikido now is that, you know, there was always this hierarchy in place when I was learning Aikido that it's like, well, this guy's the top guy. And no matter what he says, he's right. And it's the top, you know, and, and even amongst the seniors, I really never got the feeling that they were practicing as equals and that seemed weird mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. because from the outside as a junior student i could tell some of the lower ranked people were significantly better than some of the higher ranked uh -huh. people uh -huh. and so i knew that like well at least on one level i can tell you're better right. than that guy you know see, yeah you yeah. know more i right. can see you yeah right and this is the way you know it is with with any healthy practice is we get over that shit like doctors are doctors once you're a doctor and you make you're not you know well i'm a an eight-year-long doctor and you're only a four-year-long doctor so mm -hmm. you shut up and listen to me you know right 
I think there's some of that kind of like built in and like in some ways, especially for Aikido, maybe that people need that. Like, you know, they need that person at the top of the mountain going right. like, I'm just going to spell it all out for you and you just listen to me, like whatever. Um, it's some but, of that BDSM stuff. But ultimately, right, yeah. But ultimately, that's not, if you're talking about training instructors and truthfully, look, that's what we need to do right now, right? Like, I mean... That's what the the art needs. This is what we were talking about last episode, right? Like, in order to grow and modernize, we have to ha- we have to bring in another generation. Like, we got to get some whatever. In. in order for that to happen, you can't have that that structure. That's you right. know, it's it just it doesn't work. It's it's not this culture. It's not a Western culture, and it's not. I don't think it's conducive to learning. I don't think it's conducive to growing. Yeah, which is what we what we need. What we what we should be doing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is another side note. So a, an Aikido, a very famous Aikido teacher that I'm not going to mention their name. Um, one of my friends was Uchideshi with them and, and I ran into him in a bookstore and he had been training with this person. And um, I said, oh, how's the training? And he said, oh, it's so awesome. Um, sensei comes in early in the morning and inspects everything. And we bow to Sensei and then we do class. And then afterwards, we bow to Sensei and we watch Sensei um, do some meditation. And I was like, you watch? And yeah, we watch Sensei do some meditation. And then we bow to Sensei's car. And then Sensei gets in the car. And then we stand in the street and tell Sensei so far away that we can't see Sensei anymore. Is and this then- really how he's Yes, and he digs it, and I'm I'm listening to it, and I'm like, dude, this is some weird extra shit. Like, you know, like cool, live whatever lifestyle you want, and but but like, that's not what the training's about. That's some extra stuff. Like, you know, and that sensei wanted to be worshipped, and they bowed to that sensei's car. Who (laughs) bows? No one will ever bow to my. car no one bows to my car right no No. it's stupid it's ridiculous you know and it's just like you know it's like the folding sensei's hakama thing so look if we're at a seminar and i'm really busy and a bunch of people want to talk to me and one of my students is nice enough to say hey can i fold your hakama for you that's cool thank you because i'm juggling a million things and a lot of times after seminars man it can be hard because you are juggling a bunch of stuff and that's a really nice thing but to like to like beg for the honor of folding Sensei's Hakama and, you know, Sensei should never fold their own Hakama. Like, I know how to fold my own Hakama. That I can was fold a my big, Hakama. Uh, trippy thing the first time I encountered that because yeah. it was so, um, so unlike the way that we had trained. And so the first time we had people come in and it was like a, you know, a higher rank, like whatever. Um, and the, 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 uh, trainer the you know the instructor the other guy folded his hakama for him and uh afterwards i was like well chris you need to fold your hakama <laughs> like because i'll do it if this is what's going on but um and, and you know and it wasn't a big deal but it was just it was a weird thing and and not nothing i think that stuff while i do i understand it at a certain level i think it takes away from from the training and it takes away from um from the the person really getting the full scope of of the 
of the system. Right. I think what you guys are talking, what you're describing is mutual respect versus like a blind hierarchy. Yes. You know, so so what you described, which is perfect, the like my student offers to help me out because I'm busy and I, you know, they, they, they're offering to, to, to fold my hakama. That's mutual respect. That's somebody who's like, I see you're having a difficult time and I'm going to reach out and, and do a favor for you, you that's know? That's right. And that's, that's like, awesome. you know, what any kind of good relationship should be, which is like, I'll help you, you help me. We're doing it out of the goodness of our hearts because we like each other and we want to right. and it, it goes both ways you know and i feel like the the hierarchy thing is like i have to do it because you know and it, it's only a one directional thing That's where right. you know the teacher's not it doesn't even out for what the student's doing for the teacher and vice versa you know and so i that's feel like right. it's the mutual respect thing is really important yeah and i think that's that's more conducive to learning i yes. think it helps you yeah. learn yeah because then they feel like they can ask anything. They can be open with you. They can be honest. That there's not weird guilt, you know. Right. None of that stuff. They they see you as a, a person rather than some kind of weird god or something. Well, that too, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is mostly because my godly powers. <laughs> like when I float in, most people are in shock. That's true. They're like, well, uh, he does. He god, floats. He does Josh says, stuff. "Everybody, avert your eyes." Avert your <laughs> eyes. I yell at <laughs> You'll be burned. You'll be burned. <laughs> Jeez. It's interesting, uh, kind of what my my takeaway from this and reverting back to the question of, of what he's asking and what I think is interesting is like, um, so not everyone who uh, studies with us is going to become an instructor or even wants of course, to become Of course, has any desire to be one. And yet, from the very beginning, that process is being put in place mm -hmm. of of so that at the end of the thing at the end of their journey or you know once they get or not even at the end but you know once they get to a high level that thing will be available to them rather naturally, naturally. yep yeah if they so choose if they so choose and yeah. they don't have to but it's going to be there and it will be so ingrained in them at that point um that it won't even be like a big thing it'll just be the 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 small thing like that I was talking about before mm -hmm. where it's just like you just have to do it to get some of the stuff out. But the majority of it will be so built in from day one of how we do things to, to the end. Um, and it's so clear from day one to the end that there's that there's no question you know or if there are questions they they can be answered answered but right away there shouldn't be any giant holes at the end so you can just step into that role right fairly easily right yeah can i i, I know we're coming to the end here but i i feel like there's a couple of insights that i've gotten so far and then you guys can add on if there's any like little specific things but like something that josh said to me um i think it was josh maybe it was chris i don't know um, one of you guys said that like reminder that like if I'm teaching a class I don't need to do anything fucking extravagant or like I don't need to explore something brand new to me or I don't need to you know like that's not the time for me to like you know really push the higher levels of my knowledge that's right. you know <laughs> so like essentially like start slow like and I've really tried to remind myself of that is that like I don't need to impress anybody right like we can do some Taino Henko for 10 minutes, you know, we can do rolls, we can do, you know, there's like, and that's, 
that is the area where I'm going to start to get comfortable with teaching. And then I can branch out slowly from there. It's also there. the area that you can teach. You can yes. really teach. You yes. can relax because you know it so well and you can teach. And that's yeah. wonderful. And I, and that's been really you helpful You can watch advice. someone do a role and understand every inch of that. Yes. And go, this is, this is what's, you know, this is the breakdown. Where you can't right. do that the deeper you get into the the thing you know right and you know spreading out from there you but know? we have a tendency to just want to like do the thing that we're interested in that's right, right off the bat and that's it right. never works out yeah like, and then it's a clusterfuck um and then you feel bad um and then the other thing too is that uh i i keep constantly reminding myself that it's not about me that it's not about <laughs> me you know and whether it's like i've taught a few classes not many um or whether it's just like with a partner that like it's not time for me for me to fucking preach at these people. Like it, that's not what teaching is about. Teaching is like, are you ready for this? Is it time for you to like, you know? It's we're not going. We're just not supposed to go at my speed. You know, we're going at their speed because they're the ones who are like really needing to do a lot of learning right now. You know, and so it's like I'm constantly having to remind myself to like go slow and make it about them, and like that. So far, the the shit that I've gleaned from teaching is it's <laughs> awesome. You it's know, good stuff. just right you know and i think again that's like built in that's also built into the classes you know yes like the way that it's taught like i don't i don't feel like when uh chris is teaching classes that they're ever that you know that it's ever beyond uh capacity of the people in the class or if it is it's always pushing right so you know it's never uh beyond and i've had that experience before in a class and watching, um, you know, people just kind of fumble through some stuff that they just weren't ready for. And the instructor was like, you got to do it or whatever. Um, and it's like, those people, they, they're, they're never going to get they're there. Not, they're it's not, another thing to work on. You know, they're not ready for that yet. Um, and I don't feel, I feel like we shy away from those moments as much as possible. And there are obviously moments where people struggle with things because it's just, you know, what it is. But for the most part, it's like we're we're at the level and the, the classes and, and the structure of the whole syllabus is such that it like builds. So you don't really have that problem where in a lot of schools, you know, it's like you pull in this thing on this day and you pull in this other thing and you the, right. on some other day. Um, and there's no real continuity necessarily to what you might be learning on any given, you know, time. Where it's like it's it will be very clear to you if you study uh, with us like what's happening, you right. know, and 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 so um, and again, I think that in the end builds for people who are then ready to pass that information along to someone else. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, I mean, I I just think I think Maya hit on some really strong points. Um, if I could just give them just a little more texture, like please do. Um, like, you know, what she said about, like, not teaching beyond your ability, that goes for me, too, meaning I usually am thinking about something for a year or two before I start giving it to general classes, you know. And that doesn't mean that, like, with, you know, higher students that I don't, like, show some stuff and work on some stuff, but I am pondering and getting well-rounded ideas of stuff 
way before I show it to students. And usually by the time I'm showing it to students, I have a really good idea of where I want to go with it. Now, of course, there's always a growth process. So meaning I didn't figure it all out and then show it to them and it's always going to be the same. I'm going to grow as I go like, oh, they need it this way or that way. But like you should really understand what it is you're going to teach. That also, I don't go in with a lesson plan most of the time. I triage all my classes where I look and I go, who needs the most help in what area? And that's what we do. But when I'm teaching a class that's geared towards what I want to teach, I've been thinking about that thing for a while. And and I'm, I'm, I'm really ahead generally of anyone else of what it's going to be. And I think that's good advice for anyone because I remember uh, one of the teachers I had, they would go away around Christmas time and all the senior students would teach and we just sometimes you'd have awesome classes but sometimes you have these ungodly classes where someone wanted to teach this weird idea that they saw once in a seminar two years ago that was interesting to them and they never thought about it again since the seminar and then they try and remember what that teacher taught at the seminar and just screw the class all up and it's just like no one got anything out of this you know like um and so i don't i don't ever want to have those classes and so you know Understanding what you're teaching before you try and teach it and understanding that what's really exciting for you is well beyond what's going to be well, very exciting for someone down from you. And so what's mundane to you is really exciting to someone junior to you and allow that excitement to fill you as you teach it, you know, like because you can find that excitement again. Like, yeah, roles are cool. Like, yeah, let's do some roles. Yeah, I think if you're like a lesson planning type person, which I kind of am like it's not a problem to have a lesson plan, but you have to also realize that you might need to deviate from the lesson plan, but that the deviation from the lesson plan should always be a step down. In your wheelhouse. In your wheelhouse, yeah. Mm-hmm. And generally that's a step down rather yeah. than a step up, yeah. you know? I mean, if it's super boring and everyone's bored, then maybe you do need to step it up a little bit, but like you don't want to move outside of your wheelhouse to where it's it's nuts, you know? Yeah. Um, And especially, I don't know, I've had like a couple classes like, you know, where it's at an awkward time and not really many people come, but like, you know, one guy comes and he's like, you know, third queue or second queue. So he's not far behind me. So it's like, we're not going to do roles and stuff, you know? So right. we'll just, I'll just be like, okay, well, let's just sit and talk. What do you want to, you know, what do you want to go over? What do you want to do? Right. And like that makes it interesting and fun again, because it's like about what he wants to do. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, I hope that answered that question. I think so. Yeah. I mean, gave it a little yeah. more color to how we yeah. approach the problem. Was there what? Uh, yeah, I think we hit it. We we hit it good. We got <laughs> He'll it. Tell we us got if it. Not if yeah. not. Grant Tim will be like, "You guys missed that." Uh, let us know <laughs> if we miss something, and we'll hit on it at the beginning, very beginning. One or two sentences at the beginning of next podcast. Also, One or two sentences. Also, several of you have given us a bunch of ideas for future. Um, topics so so there will be some uh some several mm-hmm. listener inspired coming up yay oh I'm also so this podcast is coming to you uh a, a couple days early because uh Maya and i are taking off so um that's why it appeared on uh, monday instead Get of on here yeah, i know that's great for people yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm sure that yeah everybody gets their podcast early that's a, little a good early, thing little early. uh if you're listening to this and it is uh tuesday it is uh, Sensei's birthday, so uh, send him a happy birthday message. If it's after that, you could belate it. But <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Chris! Yeah. Thank you. All right, um, so thank you so much to our patrons. We really appreciate you guys because you make it possible for us to do this podcast. Literally in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. provided all the info. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. All right, thank you so much to the Dirt Wasp Podcast. 
Chris, Protector of Ducks, Comouth, Jay Mysterio, Nick, White Belt Bullman, Brad V, Yarrow, You Suck the Christmas Poo Poo, <laughs> Madrona, I almost got through that, El Terrible, Brooke Ferragamo, Ben, Gold Gorilla, Eldritch, Tommy Siv, Francis Cordone, Scott Burns, Dave Dewberry, Ascension Center, Barrett Lippy, Sam Sulian, Michael Heed, Ocon Ayrton, Marcin Chiss, Randy Stewart, Thomas Polino, Hillary Jones, Constantinos Andrew, Franz Martinson, Yuli Simku, Brian Crowley, Lisa Klein, Sharon Okada, Christopher Aceto, Matt Mumford, uh, Jim Hadoken Master Galant, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Matt Riley, Jim Iron Monkey Sullivan, uh, Grant, Golden Gorilla Iron Monkey. Yeah, Grant, a capuchin is a type of monkey. Templin. Oh, that's what he said. A capuchin <laughs> yeah. is a type oh, of monkey. Wonderful. Type of, Thank you. Now yes. that that's I, great. I hope I'm saying that, that right. Say that, capuchin, yeah. yeah. It, I, it is a type of monkey. And Lenny Acuna. <laughs> awesome. We got a lot of uh, monkey, monkey, gorilla, ape. Yeah. Thing. Also, this is a side note, but uh, Brad Bullman uh, sent us a thing, and he lives in New Zealand, and he wanted to let me know. That the New Zealand Denny's is popping, oh, very yeah? busy, and it's Nick Bullman. Oh, Nick Bullman. Sorry, sorry, not Brad Bullman. Uh, Nick Bullman. Um, he said that the New Zealand um podcast or podcast, you know, I'm all messed up. Denny's is popping, and and so uh, also is there one in the there, whole country. There are several listeners of our podcast from New Zealand, so Denny's, I I think support, supporting our podcast will help you, right. Break into new <laughs> genres of people. What if we got sponsored by not Den- but Denny's New Zealand? New Zealand Denny's. That's that's even better. I it's love even that. better. I love it. We're not, and we would have to put like we couldn't put American American Denny's. They yeah. don't care about us. But how global? Zealand, Ooh. Yeah, that is so awesome. It's good to know that Denny's is uh, around the world. It is. I feel that's like comforting. It. Okay, tip of the week. Yeah, tip of the week. Um. I feel like I just gave a couple. I don't know. Um, Those were good. Those yeah. Were good. Yeah. Josh, you got any? Any other teaching tips? Oh, teaching tips? No. Or any kind of wanna. anything. Um, no, I don't want to. No, I mean, I, no, I think we there was a lot of stuff that we um, put out there. Uh, this, you know, I'm just trying to think of something that's very succinct and I can't really come up with anything right now. So Yeah. Go um, slow. It's not about you. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's always a good. I mean, go slow is always a great, uh, a great tip. A great. I feel like piece I'm constantly advice. telling people that, like, we can slow down. It's uh, all good. It's not, you know, we're tip, in no hurry. Tip your waiters. Tip your drivers. Um, those people, we need them. And uh, this this latest pandemic reminded go. us that we need there to tip go. those people. So, ooh, that's I like that. There's, there's a totally non martial arts, non aikido related tip, tip but yeah. that's like a good tip. Yeah, tip people. It's yeah. nice. I do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, there will be another podcast next week. Yes. Thank you guys for listening. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and make sure you do that so you can get this every week without having to like go through the process of finding it. Yeah. And we Leave love you. Leave us a review. And we, and we love you. And we uh, love you. Yeah. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>